and welcome everyone to another episode of Now That's Interesting. We are your hosts. My name is Serge. My name is Travis. And Travis, how are you doing this lovely December evening? <laughs> it's dark. <laughs> it's very dark. We are in the heart of winter right now. Well, not, I guess the beginning. Uh, the, the, beginning the beginning of winter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's, but it's, you know, it's not bad. Actually, the weather outside was uh, kind of mild uh, yeah. on the bike ride over here. So, yeah, things are not so bad. Yeah, but it, it, I always struggle with this time of the year, though. I, I hate waking up in the dark and, and then and then giving, coming home from work in the dark. It's, it's terrible. I, I don't think anyone likes it. Yeah, for me, it's the same. I wake up in the dark. I go to my semi-lit office room, and then they go out of it, and it's still dark. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, working from home. That's still a thing, isn't that, it? Yeah, that's still a thing for some. Anyhow, this is our last episode of the year. Yeah. We're closing the year with a bang. A big one. And a big one. <laughs> Incidentally, to send a telescope into space requires a big bang. I mean, a massive one. Yeah. yeah. Bigger than actually any bang you can pull off in America. Did you, did you know this? We didn't talk about it, but size of what we're going to talk about is so large, no rockets in the U.S. could do it. Not, not even the Falcon Heavy? Uh, well, it's not of the oh, same... Oh, it's not operational. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, uh, let, let's stop with the whole shenanigans. So, like, <laughs> I already said te- telescope. Yes, and everyone and, should be talking about this yeah, at this point, right? At this point, you're probably <laughs> either already talking about it or about to talk about it because depending on which point in time you are, we're either... 24 hours away from the launch, and I'm super excited. It's so exciting. Yeah, or you're listening after the launch, and it blew up, and then this doesn't make <laughs> yeah, sense. Yeah, exactly. Why were they talking about it? Yeah. yeah. No, it, it is, uh, it's a big moment. It's a massive moment. It's a point that's taken decades to get to. We're yeah. looking at some of the, the greatest minds that can come together and, and, and solve some of the hardest problems in space travel. And they're going to put up something that is super exciting. When I was reading about the James Webb Telescope, for the first time, I was like, we're already in the future. Yeah, we're there. <laughs> but it's amazing to think that they were theorizing, they were they were planning this 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're not talking about something that we just built yesterday. You know, when you look at like a Tesla and the new models or all the, you know, the crazy artificial intelligence, like this is something fundamentally mind-bending in its physics or what they had to do in order to be able to, to create something like this. And it was 20 years ago that they were they were envisioning it before then. Yeah, you know? yeah. Oh, man. So exciting. What is the James Webb Telescope? What, what are we talking about? So it's a space telescope, an infrared space Very telescope. Very good point. Very important yeah. point. It's the largest telescope, well, space telescope that we ever made. Yeah. Or any other satellite that we ever send into space. Yeah. It's literally the largest cel- satellite pro- produced. Exactly. It required a ton of effort from different scientists, researchers, and engineers to assemble. And it also involved origami. (laughs) Stay tuned when we talk about that. Yeah, that's a a big point. Because it's so big that it wouldn't fit fully assembled into a rocket. So they had to fold it up. 
Yeah. One thing is that we're a bit late in the sense that it was supposed to be launched uh, two years ago, but due to some production issues, also a wide pandemic. Yeah, something happened over the last two years. That I can't yeah, remember yeah. what it was. But, yeah, uh... 2020 was, a, uh, was fun. It was right? hell. Yeah. But we've made it. We're yeah. to the point now we're ready to throw it up into space. You mentioned it was uh, an infrared telescope, right? Yeah. Why is that important? I mean, the the visible light is what we see all the time. Why is infrared a, a useful thing to be poking around at? That's an amazing question. The main reason is because James Webb will be able to prone the farthest we ever reached and looked right. into the night sky. Right. Uh, the, the problem with most telescopes, uh, with light in general, it acts in a certain way. It bends when space, for example, expands. Yeah. Light also stretches. Stretches, yeah. yeah. And since we all know that our universe expands, from the point that it started or ignited. Uh, originated. Or originated. Yeah, yeah. At least to the point that we can see now, mm -hmm. it expanded quite a lot. Yep. At this point in time, the bubble, the which we can see, also known as the visible universe. Yeah right, or the known universe, um, it's going away from us. Yep, it's expanding. It's expanding always. Always. And expanding faster. And faster <laughs> yeah. than the speed yeah. of light, yeah. Yeah. So what well, they, they said that it, it's that the light uh, at the original, the Big Bang, probably started in the um, uh, other side, the ultraviolet side. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it is, it's, it shifted so much, it's called redshift, uh, yeah. this idea of expanding universes mm -hmm. and the changing of the light. It shifted all the way from the ultraviolet through the visible spectrum now yeah. into the ultra... Um, oh, well, first infrared, infrared. then uh, now microwaves. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's gone from, 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 from through almost the entire spectrum. It's, it's yeah. shifted so much. But we're, what we're literally talking about is looking backwards in time. Yes. Yeah, to, yeah. The, to the origins of, uh, of the universe. So it's literally a time machine in space. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the fact is that its resolution is so ginormous, yeah. we will be able to prone and see way beyond we ever saw. Like, there's nothing that will be obstructing the view. There's yep. um, uh, There will be no atmosphere, and not even a, a halo or any satellites. Uh, and the main reason for that is not only the, uh, the technology uh, of infrared uh, telescopes, it's also its position. Because the James Webb will be situated or located in the second Lagrange point oh, yeah, of the right. Earth-Moon yeah. system. It's like a million miles out or something like that? Uh, around that point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in the right order of magnitude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The problem with its location is that we don't have any reconnaissance missions yeah. that far away oh, from Oh, right. Earth. Yeah. One, it, this is a, a one and it works or it doesn't? Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. So I guess let's... Start from the beginning, right? Okay. Let, let's talk about what it is, more, a bit in detail, like why it's so hard to send such a thing. And yep. I want to end on uh, asking you, what do you think we're going to see and find? Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, before you m move on into that, I just wanted to say that it's not only, a, the infrared's not only about um, looking into the distance uh, yeah. and seeing the past, which is such a mind-boggling thing. They're also searching for exoplanets and trying to understand the composition of the, the planets that we know. The, since the James Webb was envisioned and within the last couple of years, exoplanetology, I don't know what you call it. Uh, <laughs> it's a field of science where they, they've been discovering more and more exoplanets. Yeah. 
And they now theorize that every star probably contains at minimum one planet. Um, and then uh, the the number that are following into into the Goldilocks zone and the, the habitable, zone, habitable zone of temperatures yeah. is, you know, think about all the billions of stars and now we have even more billions of planets. And uh, that's another thing that James Webb is really going to help with is understanding the chemical makeup of the planets that we found yeah. and seeing could they harbor life. Particularly uh, their atmospheres. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, very interesting stuff because it's – It's such a weird technology to do two things, mm -hmm. the the not so far away yeah. and the incredibly distant. Yeah. You know, it's like the range to which they're going to be. It's like it's like focusing, zooming in really far and then yeah, like, yeah. like really far. And away. then zooming out. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but again, its resolution <clears throat> is so strong that I think somebody pointed out, I remember I heard it either in the podcast or in a scientific video, that... The James Webb Telescope can see, like it being in its point, it would actually be able to identify a bumblebee. Oh yeah, on the surface of the moon. Oh yeah, yeah. Like the the bumblebee would have to be dead. Well, that that's easy. It's the moon. <laughs> uh, but and not, the main point would wouldn't have to move. Uh, yeah. to, to to be able to see it yeah. because it, it benefits from long exposure. Yeah. And I got you. Th that's also something that is really hard to grasp, especially living on Earth. Not that we know any other planets. <laughs> We're not aliens. Um, but it, it's it's really hard uh, to imagine this because when you make a photograph, like you're, you're, it's like uh, the faster the better, right? We, we saw all these uh, other like time lapses people do and so on. And, and that's beautiful. And that's basically how James Webb works. Instead of just taking like one photo and like a really qu quick shot, it's doing a time lapse, yeah. which is then extrapolated into a full uh, image that will be processed here on Earth. I got you. Like doing a long exposure us. of yeah. things. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's fascinating. Good stuff. So, okay. They got the engineering, the, the science we can maybe we'll leave toward the end because mm -hmm. what we're trying to do is interesting. But the engineering is also incredible in this thing, right? I mean, what they've had to do, just what they've had to overcome is incredible. Yeah. Well, one fact you mentioned before we went into it blew my mind. Yeah. So I really want to talk about that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think from an engineering point of view, everybody who was involved, even in a tiny bit, should take a bow. Yeah. It's, it's, it's well an am done. amazing well achievement. Well done, yeah. yeah. Even if it doesn't go right, it's still the stuff that they've, the technology they had to invent to be yeah. able to do this. I also reflected on the fact that these are not engineers who, you know, we work in the software industry, right? Yeah. And, and we sometimes measure the length of time on any one project in a year or two, right? It doesn't really go very long. There are some people who have spent their entire lives, uh, their adult lives, their, yeah. their professional careers on one project, Yeah, the James yeah. Webb Telescope. They started 25 years ago and they're still there, you know? Like, yeah. think about that, you know? They don't do that anymore. <laughs> I, I, I can't imagine, like, working for one company or uh, one yeah. single thing. Yeah. I, I think as uh, – I know I'm an elder millennial or whatever you call us, <laughs> yeah. but – and I'm not the TikTok generation, but I still have a very short attention span. Yeah. Like, if you look at my CV, I change jobs every several years. <laughs> and these these people – They stuck to something. And I, I can understand why, because, of course, the challenge is immense. Yeah. And every day there's a new engineering thing to work on. Because, I mean, you, if you can imagine 
one of the reasons we shift is because eventually it gets a bit bland and you want to go try something and, new. Yeah, you want to learn, you want to grow, grow you, yeah. you want to get a different set of challenges. Yeah. And these challenges were so deep and, and vast that there was always something to grow and learn yeah, from. Yeah. So, Well, yeah, and from that sense, I, I think it's a, a sort of advantage. If I would be in, in such a situation... Uh, I would probably also stay. Well, it depends. Yeah, but uh, I could also. I also think about the fact that you know, you you go after work, you have a beer, and you talk about your job. Yeah. You imagine talking about everybody's like, if you talk about the James Webb Telescope one more time, <laughs> 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 sitting around the dinner table like we don't want to hear about space anymore. No, Please no, stop no. talking. We, about we heard this for twenty years. <laughs> stop, Jeremy. Just send, stop. Send it into space yeah, already. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. We're off topic a bit. A bit, but let's start with the engineering challenges. Yeah. There yeah. were quite a few. Yeah. And I think the first thing is we need to talk is cooling. Oh, my God. How This is not something that many of the space telescopes have had to deal with. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So Hubble didn't have this problem. This oh. was like – and the reason why cooling is because the, the kind of um, energy levels that they're looking for with infrared light can be greatly influenced by surrounding energy emittance, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you basically, any kind of fluctuation could throw it off. So you want to get it as cold as possible. So whatever you're reading is, you know, it's coming from some distant source, right? Essentially, you want to remove any outside interference. Noise. Or noise. Exactly. Yeah. Because we're talking about, since we're talking about light, you know, heat and electromagnetism and everything like that, all of these can affect the, yeah. the source, especially when it's it's uh, such a weak signal, basically. Yeah. It's, it's also cosmic rays, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. We, we talked about it in, uh, even in our last episode. Uh, the idea is that space, however we think empty it is, it's not empty. It's not empty. No. Not yet. <laughs> it's working on it. Like, like, yeah, give it another 100 uh, go yeah. Google years. Yeah, we'll uh, be there. Google Google trillion years or something? I, I'm like. not sure. But okay, so one of the one of the, the the technical marvels that they had to add then was okay. First off, how do you cool it down? Because even if you're in space, even mm -hmm. though it's the void of space, you know, yeah, quote yeah. unquote, you're still getting radiated by the sun. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So what did they do to protect themselves from the sun? They shielded. They put up a shield. They literally <laughs> put up a shield. Not not uh, not one shield. Not two shields. It's a radiator. It's, it's literally it a, a radiator, radiator made the, from foil. It's the size of a tennis court. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, that's, it's that's how big it's ginormous. We're yeah. yeah. So imagine, you know, already you're trying to shove all of this stuff into a rocket. You've also got to expand out to the dimensions of a tennis court, you know. Yeah. That's where the, a lot of the folding techniques came in. Yeah. The device itself is just several layers of this very thin aluminum-like foil yeah. that expands, that it creates a radiator where the intermedium of space will act as an insulator. Yeah. One side will be facing the sun. Yeah. So right? basically the shield part yep. will be facing the sun. Yeah. And it's hot enough to boil water on one side. Yeah. And on the other side, it's negative 200 degrees Celsius, right? It's actually minus 223 Kelvin. Oh. Oh, wow. Yeah. Damn. Like it's 50 degrees away from the absolute zero. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah, that's insane. I remember the number in Fahrenheit, but that's not helpful for most of our listeners. <laughs> but it, it is, it's fascinating because they talk about, you know, how do you cool something? All right. Imagine the fact that we have to send this thing out a million miles out to the Lagrange two point. How do you refrigerate something? How do you get it down to that temperature? You can't send up massive cryogenic units, you know, you can't send up machines to do this, no. right? 
it's just too much weight. It's it's too much complexity. You got to do this passively. Yeah, and we don't even even if we wanted to do that, we don't have the infrastructure or the technology to do so yeah. efficiently. And, and for that, the longevity of it too, right? I mean, yeah. how many years is this supposed to be up there? I think right now the mission plan is seven years. Yeah. Uh, but if by that time we reach a reconnaissance ability to yeah. send ships to the second Lagrange point. We will be able to refuel it. Ah, uh, yeah, nice. Well, but but okay. So the that that's why the shield was invented. Yeah. So that it could passively radiate its the heat away from the the shield is literally like you said radiating heat away from the the device, which allows it to cool down to such a, an incredible. Mm-hmm. When you're looking at pictures of it, the shield's pointing at the sun, and then the the telescope's on the other side. It's very dark, and it's meant to be dark. That's yeah. the whole intention. Because it will, uh, the mirror there will start accumulating light that goes in our direction from space and then sends it into the receiver. Yeah, exactly. And those those mirrors are incredible. It's a six meter wide. Six uh, and a half meters wide, yeah. Uh, Which is, like you said, the largest uh, we've put up there. They're made, they're a composite material. uh, Well, one, the, the, the mirrors themselves are actually made from beryllium. Yeah. And uh, that's for strength to weight ratio kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. It's actually quite quite strong, quite uh, quite resilient. Uh, resilient, but it doesn't reflect infrared light. No, I didn't know this. The material itself isn't actually reflective, so they have to put a gold plating over yeah. the top. Yeah. So you get the best of both worlds, right? You get yeah. the strength and resiliency of beryllium, and you get mm-hmm. the reflective nature of gold, and it looks beautiful. Yeah, it, it looks <laughs> amazing. Yeah. Like if you if you never saw a single picture of James Webb. Pause the episode. Go and Google James Webb Go Telescope. It's That's it's amazing, really, really and uh, the the whole scale photo when they show the telescope and there's a human standing next to it. It's just breathtaking. Yeah. It's such a big device, massive, and the mirror is massive. Yeah. And I think uh, a bit of trivia here. There's a, enough gold on on it to kind of form a little golf ball. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> not that much, but... Enough. Enough, yeah. One of the things I heard, which, you know, you have to imagine, this thing's getting cold, yeah. right? And and what happens when metal or any material gets cold? It shrinks. It shrinks. So one of the engineers that were talking uh, about constructing the James Webb, they literally had to design it on... Because they got to construct it on Earth. Yeah. So they have to literally construct it the exact wrong way so that when it goes into space, it shrinks to the correct size. I love that phrase, exact wrong it's way. exactly it's, the wrong way. Like my brain is breaking right now. <laughs> Imagine you're trying to do something and like we all have these measuring devices. We have laser measurements now. Yeah. So you can determine something to a size of a micro. Yeah, you can right? get and nanometer then, size yeah, it's, here. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's amazing. And then it's like, yeah, you, you you're not allowed to cut here. Like, add a little bit. Yeah, and and see, that's the that's the the genius of it is that the amount of shrinkage, yeah. they understand and they can design everything so that when they do shrink, it clicks into place. Absolutely amazing. And this is the kind of like brilliant engineering we're talking about, right? Yeah. Yeah. That is something that you just don't think about because you exist in a planet with you know temperatures that don't vary all that wildly. We're talking about going from sitting here on Earth. 
and then going into space and then going down to negative 243 Kelvin, you know, it's like, Jesus. 23. 20, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> After you get past a couple hundred, it doesn't really. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Everything <laughs> dies there. Yeah. Another thing that they talk about, though, is that um, the machine exists in zero G. So when you're constructing it, you have to worry about the fact that when it's in zero G, it's, yeah. you know, everything has to kind of lock in place. So they had to build a crane that held each piece with the exact opposite force of gravity so that while they're moving it – because, you you know, we're talking about the origami and the the, yeah, yeah. the, the folding and everything. While they're testing it, they got to test it under zero-G conditions, mm-hmm. not under Earth, Earth gravity condition. conditions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they create this massive crane that has all of these special, you know, counterbalances and whatnot. So that when things move, they move under zero G. Mm-hmm. Didn't even consider that as a problem, but that's something they have to think yeah. about, you know? Like I know zero G is a problem. And I know it's factored in each time you build a spacecraft or any satellite. Well, not Earth-sized satellites. It's, it's close to zero G. It's, it's a bit different, but mm-hmm. still, yeah, it, it's, it's amazing that you have to think about these sort of things. Well, they said that uh, normally when you prep, you, you, prep this kind of stuff or you're doing a technology is you, you use water, you use a tank mm-hmm. and, and, you know, like astronauts practice yeah. uh, zero G in those kind of conditions. You can't, you can't drop the, this massive telescope in a, in a bath, you know, well, and, or watch it float. Yeah. Did it, you hear about the way that they did test vacuums and, and super cold? No. Are you familiar with, no. they repurposed one of the um, old vacuum chambers for one of the missions way back when it was several decades old, if not, you know, 50 years old, they literally had to come in, repurpose the vacuum chamber, rebuilt it, put all the new mechanisms back together and this, and cause it's the right size for the James Webb to fit into it. Mm-hmm. So they, 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 they loaded it up, sent it down to somewhere in Texas, actually, I think is where it was. So they had to cart this bad boy across the, the country. I didn't mm-hmm. realize it. Oh, they built a special plane. That's right. They had a special plane built that could trip, that could send the James Webb telescope to this facility. Because they wanted to be able to see its effect in, a z- in vacuum yeah, yeah, yeah. and at super cold temperatures. So they actually tested the hell out of this thing. Because you have to, right? Because you, you have can't, to. You can't. It, it works once or it doesn't, right? Yeah, so yeah, they yeah. had to test it's it like, like live crazy. or die, essentially. Yeah. It, yeah. And, and, and it's fascinating listening to all the different things. I mean, we, we write software, we write tests, but we're not writing these kind of tests. <laughs> no, 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 no. Like. I know that when you study like software engineering in university, they always bring up these example with like Saturn rockets where like one of the first launches exploded two seconds into the launch yeah. because of a software error, right? Yeah. Somebody introduced a zero instead of a one like, and, and that blew, the, blew up blew the rocket. Up. Yeah, And yeah, we get told that this is why you have to test your software and so on. But when it comes to these devices... You, you cannot just write a software test and help, help uh, it will figure out. You can't even simulate that. Yeah, you can write a simulation as close as possible, but you still need to test the physical device yeah. because it's once or nothing. It, it's not like, oh, we have spare parts. We're just going to fix it. Yeah. There. <laughs> yeah. To yeah. fix it, you have to send another rocket. Yeah, exactly. And you got to basically send somebody on a, a, a one-way mission. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, with our current technology, yeah, yes. Yeah, we need better technology. For uh, unless SpaceX company hurries up and we yeah. already have the Falcon Heavy yeah. And, yeah. and the other ones, the Starship ready. Uh, we, we were kind of stuck. Humans never flew beyond the moon. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Like, and uh, Lagrange is like four times out or something. Yeah, like around four times. Yeah. Like it's uh, give or take the math. Too. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it, you're absolutely right. And and this is this is kind of the thing where, you know, we're reaching a point. You remember the when the Curiosity went down uh, when the, we sent it to Mars, and there was the the thing they called the seven minutes of terror. Yeah, yeah. Because it was when we black we the the distance between us is such that you don't get a signal, but every twelve minutes or something. So there was just time when no one. Dropping through the atmosphere of Mars, that they just didn't know if it was going to work. Um, imagine like that, but the entire time that it's, <laughs> yeah. you know, you just don't know. And then there it is. Uh, uh, oh, we missed a screw, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like somebody reaches in their pocket, like, oh no, I, I forgot about this one part. And to be fair, NASA had their share of. Not failures, but inconveniences. <laughs> Not only with the James Webb. If, if anyone remembers, uh, back in the shuttle age, yes, we used to call it the shuttle yeah, it age. It was the shuttle. Yeah. Um, when they sent Hubble, the first images that came back from Hubble were very blurry. Yeah. And turns out, while uh, it wasn't actually a mistake uh, done by anyone down here, it was a miscalculation into the amount of force that would be applied on the telescope, oh. once it would be yeah, breaking to get from it up Earth. into space. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so they didn't count that in, and because of that, one of the lenses misformed. Like everybody got started joking that oh they forgot to put a lens yeah. and so on. <laughs> and the only way to fix it was literally to put in a new lens. There are limited ways how you can service these types of satellites in space. So the only way to counteract it, they had to calculate what was the curvature and the error of that lens and put in a new one to counteract it. Oh, yeah. wow. So, wow. But wow. they could fix it because they had the shuttle. Oh, now yeah, now yeah, we have yeah. the Falcon 9 but, rockets. There is a way to send humans to space yeah. to lower Earth. Orbit and, and that's where Hubble is. And that's yeah. what Hubble is. Exactly. Yeah. This is not that. Uh, no. the, the The James Webb. Yeah, fascinating stuff. Speaking of which, they, they actually one of the tests I saw they did was they put it in a giant uh, vibrator. <laughs> I'm not joking. It's a humongous vibrator. I mean, it's like it, you it, usually it's usually the other way yeah, around. Well, it, it, the, the, this one wrapped the, the the telescope and then it just shakes it uh, with the same forces that it'll feel when it's going up in the rocket. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I, I read about that. So sorry. I just. I, Your I, mind, man. Like, <laughs> I didn't think about it as a vibrator. I was thinking about it as a stress machine. Yeah, of course, of course, because, you know, innocent and all. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> oh, man. But that's what it was. It was like a giant rock tumbler or whatever you want to call it. But, it, you know, watching it vibrate this thing. And I was watching the video of it shake, and I was sitting there going, man, if it was me, I would be terrified. I would be know? dropping bricks. I know. I'd be like, <laughs> that oh, point. don't mess with my baby. That's 25 years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not only that it's 25 years, it's <clears throat> it's almost 10 billion dollars. Oh, sorry. <clears throat> billion? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's almost 10 billion dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Not a small amount of money. Not uh, very. I mean, compared to what we spend uh, what the US spends on military budget, it's a drop in the bucket. But but still, 10 billion is not something to sneeze at. <laughs> like I just a trick. Try to imagine 10 billion. It's a tough thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Our brains cannot fathom that. It's like the difference between uh, the million, a million seconds is what? It's like uh, you're five or something. I forget what the first million seconds are. Uh, 
Yeah, I think uh, your first million seconds is is like your five. Yeah, and, uh, but then a billion, billion seconds, you're thirty two. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like, yeah. It's a huge order. It's a magnitude. large amount of time. Um, let's see. Was What other – oh, the major engineering thing that was going on, we, we were just talking about the fact that it folds, but it's not just the shield that folds. Everything I mean, folds. Everything. So the yeah. mirror itself, you can see the kind of like on the side, there's three of the hexagonal mirrors yeah. on both sides fold backwards. And that's because six meters, six and a half meters across is too big to fit in, a, in the fairing and on the top of a, of a rocket. So they had to fold it. Um, there are what? How many points of failure on this thing? So, well, if you don't count the cooling, the mirrors yeah, breaking, yeah. the device, the actual sensors breaking, or anything else failing, all of which which has thousands of ways to go to wrong to fail yeah. already. Yeah. There's in the whole origami sequence, how I call it. There's about fifty-four plus devices that unfold it into its large state. Yeah. And it will actually take around a month for it to fully assemble itself. Wow. Because they're going to go very slowly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, yeah. no quick movements. No quick movements. <laughs> no quick Like, shh, 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 shh. Don't move. Like, think of a T-Rex. Like, think of it. Like, it doesn't see you. <laughs> when, you know, like in Rick and Morty, don't move. Gonorrhea can't see you when you're, if you don't move. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I was thinking about a T-Rex. No, it's, it's T-Rex. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that, that's the whole thing. It's, it's 50. 54 plus devices uh, that will unfold it into its final state yeah. and a- anything can go wrong. And all of them have to operate perfectly. Yes. It's a mission where everything has to go perfect or we're done. Yep. Or it fails. Or it fails and we send a lot of money down the drain and we'll have to do it again. Yeah. Because we cannot stop. We, we can't just say, oh, it failed, so we'll not do it, it, it uh, Exactly, because, uh, you know, and maybe this is a good transition, what we're talking about is furthering our understanding of how the universe started. Everything, we, it's, it's like that, uh, it's a fundamental need of humanity, I think, to probe the unknown, right? Yeah. And right now, this is one of our biggest uh, black boxes. We don't know enough about we have a lot of theories but this is what the james webb was created for is to help us uncover what happened at the beginning yeah and uh, we probably won't find out everything right away uh, usually in these sort of things when you find out something new you create a gazillion more questions (laughs) of course but that's the beauty of the universe yeah we may not ever answer all the questions but unless we reach heat death we will we shouldn't stop asking nope and and it's it gives us a better understanding. Every so a lot of people will ask, why is this kind of stuff important? Well, the better we understand the universe, the better we can make life here. Yeah. Um, and not for nothing, part of why it exists, looking for those other exoplanets. There's a documentary that I want to see about this called uh, "The Hunt for Planet B." Yeah. And the idea is that they're looking for the next planet we would inhabit, right? If we were mm-hmm. to, p- to get out beyond our solar system. And become a, an intersolar, you know, species. Interstellar. Yeah, interstellar. This would be, yeah, intersolar would be Mars, right? The interstellar species, we need to find a planet we could go live on, right? We want to send a generational ship out there, you know, where are we headed? And that's what they're looking for. I mean, we have enough problems. We should probably still take care of planet A. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, can't uh, put all of our eggs in that one planet. Climate change. <laughs> exactly. Um, but it's, it's not for nothing. You know, yeah. and it's it's always everything. 
the the kind of technologies that come out of these endeavors benefit humanity. My favorite example is actually with the lunar pro- program when um, Apollo Apollo was in full swing. We had the uh, 11, 12, 14, and so on. Yeah, a lot of technology that was invented back then. We we benefit from it right now. Like think of like from simple appliances, even baby diapers were a result for us needing a spacesuit. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh. Well, it was before the Apollo program, but but yeah, that that's the technology that was used for you to be Made able to Made better diapers. Pee. Yeah. Yeah, it benefited diapers. Yeah. Uh, the, I mean, the microwave was invented during uh, the Apollo programs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know that was an accident, right? <laughs> like, Literally, they realized that you can heat food without it because somebody left a Snickers bar yeah. or, or, or a chocolate, chocolate bar. bar yeah. yeah, Hershey's bar, if I'm not mistaken. I th- yeah, I, I think it was Hershey's. That could be apocryphal, apocryphal at this point, but still, it's uh, a Who good cares? Like, yeah, you know. They discover it because... <laughs> yeah, that's fascinating, actually. How yeah. many people were like, it's kind of warm in here. <laughs> getting getting microwave. I'm getting boiled. Yeah. yeah. But same with other technologies. Even the fact that we have pocket computers, we owe it to the space program. Yep. And... This will only bring us further. Indeed. Right? Uh, Indeed. Yeah, some some very fascinating stuff, and I, I can't wait. And and this is going to uh, – this is a generational type thing. We're going to be getting – I mean, think about what Hubble uh, – the pictures that came out of the Hubble. Yeah, you know, some of the most beautiful things that we've created, and we're only going to get to see farther back and, and more information. I'm just – I'm super excited for the years to come, and especially because it's going to – well, I would hope – inspire more people to go into the STEM fields, to go yeah. into the – you know, sciences, this kind of stories and these pictures that'll come out of this will, you know, ignite an entire generation of scientists. And that's what we desperately need is more people in the STEM fields for sure. And uh, less, um, uh, um, we need less reality TV <laughs> and more STEM, uh, more yeah. scientists. Stop making TV series. Let, let's just go into science. You know? like the, I think we had enough, right? Like the, the, there should be a point in time in our culture where we say, Okay, we made all the TV shows we could have. Most of the movies are made. Remade. We, we, or remade. Rehashed. Like a hundred years from now, somebody is going to be watching the seventh generation of Harry Potter, right? <laughs> yeah. Like with, with or, new or, actors. Or they'll be the, the, the 14th remake of Spider-Man, you know. <laughs> We're definitely going to do that a couple more times. Yeah. We, they'll, they'll even rejuvenate another Dr. Octavia, so it will be the same actor, <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> exactly. Well, now that we have cloning, uh, we would like to bring all the old actors back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I, I want to see a Charlie Chaplin movie, but in color. Ooh. And let him speak. That's an interesting segue. Or sorry, not segue. That is an interesting detraction from our subject. Uh, maybe that's another, <laughs> that's another podcast. That's for another podcast, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So, so far, it's revolutionary technology in cooling. Yep. Uh, aside from just having a space radiator, the Which whole is awesome. liquid helium yep. thing is, is amazing. It has amazing mirrors. Yep. One of the largest uh, we had, they had to build a ton of other devices to support it. They had to shake it yeah. to see if it breaks. <laughs> like, shake it till you make it, baby. And they really did. They really did. Yeah. Like I was saying earlier, the telescope is so big that yeah. we actually, in the States, we don't have a rocket big enough. I mean, they're in the process of building rockets that could with yeah, the Falcon yeah. Heavy and all that. But it doesn't exist right now. So we're using the European Space Agency's uh, rockets to get it up into space, which is fascinating.
we kind of covered a lot of stuff yep. already. But... Touched a little bit on the science, got into the, the depth of the engineering aspects yeah. of it. But I think the, the science, what, they're, what are they actually going for? Like, what are they trying to do is interesting, right? So we talked a little bit about it's not just uh, Not only at the of, distance yep. stars and origins of the universe, also looking at uh, the spectrum of light that goes through atmospheres of exoplanets. Yep, so we can try to find out the, the makeup of uh, some yep. extraterrestrial stuff. They also want to understand how star systems evolve yeah. and how they're formed because there's a lot of questions. The, the infrared is really good at penetrating the clouds, the the, 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 the so dust clouds the, in, in space. Yeah. And so there's certain things we just haven't been able to see into that we're also going to be able to see. And that's also sort of the womb of stars and planets, you know, <laughs> yeah. these sort of the nebulous clouds. I love how that sounds, the womb of stars. The womb of stars. But it's, it's where they're formed and that's also something we really don't understand well enough. And that's also something that, um, that James Webb will help us with. Oh, right. One of the coolest things they're searching for. Is that they don't know what they're searching that, for. <laughs> one is that they don't know what they're searching for. You're absolutely right. Like, we just don't know yeah. what we'll, we'll uncover. But no, I was referring to the, there, there's some hope to find the first supernova. Oh, yeah. Where, when did that happen? At what time frame? And that, you know, they use um, supernova for so much to understand the, 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 the universe. Yeah, it, the first uh, so-called standard candles. Standard candles, yeah. For yeah. like measuring distances and time, like yeah. how, how exactly. long it how, took. About how we know the size and shape and distance and time yeah. is from the standard candles, you know. One of the One methods. of the, yeah, yeah, exactly. There's also the background. Uh, the background radiation, radiation method. And there was a bit of like a problem in cosmology, I think. It still is. There are some articles that say it's not, and it's mostly a measurement problem. Yeah. Uh, one of the researchers that was published this year kind of rectified that. Did so. they really? Yeah, well... Uh, they brought I, it closer, I, I thought. I didn't they think brought it closer. From what I've read, it was a meta-analysis of all the data oh, collection right. and so on. Right. And uh, it, it was still in the um, X archive, so it's still like pe in peer in review peer at yeah. that time. Yeah. Um, we, you know what? I think... We need to subscribe to nature and other ch channels. Like it's it's a bit ex like a bit of a pay for those. Yeah, they're, they're, paywall. They're yeah, but there's yeah. a lot of good stuff that goes there's on. A lot of good stuff That's because our archive is is awesome, like to read. But not everything gets peer reviewed. So sometimes you get excited about a new theory, but then turns out it's actually all bogus. I have a I have a fantastic book that we will have to talk on this podcast when I finish it about this exact problem in science. Yeah, it's going to be that'll be a fun one. Yeah. Um, okay, but uh, what other is there anything else in the the, the telescope you want to bring up that's interesting? Or? Uh, I guess the only thing that we need to bring up is again to just point out how big of an effort this was. Yeah, this uh, this is not only NASA. This is a collective effort from the Canadian Space Agency, the European Space Agency. Yep, huge uh, combined effort here. Yeah. yeah, and it's not only the achievement of those agencies and the engineers and the people that worked on it, uh, it it's certainly theirs, but in a, as a whole, it's humanity's achievement. Yep. This is the first of many, and I, I think it's only going to get better from here. Yeah, we live, we li we're living in a real stressful time. Well, I mean, with the, with the pandemic and then, you know, climate change and the storms and you know the, the political unrest. I mean, it just does. It does feel a bit 
like things are chaotic. And to have something like this go right would be a huge win well, just for, for the collective us, yeah. psychology <laughs> yeah. of everyone, you know. Yeah. We just want to feel better about our lives. And, it, and you know, it points to the fact that in general, science, it's, it, it brings us together. Yeah, yeah. You know? It points us at things. It, it searches for the truth and it wants to understand the world empirically and not just through our subjective natures. Yeah. And I, I, I wish, like you said, I, you know, if we just gave up on television and just focused on science, it's, I, I'm curious <laughs> what, what life would have been like if that had been everyone's endeavor. If yeah. we had all strove for, you know, scientific achievement as opposed to, you know, whatever it is we all go for, yeah. what, how much farther along would we be? Yeah. Well, no. uh, it's it's not for this episode, but one sad thing I, I always kind of brings me back is that humanity lost a lot of brilliant people due to certain religious wars yeah. in the past. Persecution. Persecution. Yeah. And it's still happening uh, today in some parts of the world. It's uh, it, it did get better. Something along these, not along these lines, but in a different wet light is they say that uh, science advances one death at a time, that usually the, the big names kind of swell up the entire space and people mm. don't really move forward with thought until th that person leaves. One of the things I heard while researching about the James Webb mm -hmm is that the study of exoplanets mm -hmm. is not a sexy science for a lot of people. In fact, it didn't exist that long ago. No, no. Um, it's relatively nascent. And unfortunately, or fortunately actually in this case, a lot of the scientists that went into the field did so because the other fields were saturated. They could not advance with any kind of speed and mm -hmm. they're relatively young. Yeah. So like, what do you do? You're looking at a field full of other people and, other, and they're all doing great science. What are you going to do? A yeah. lot of them fell into this exoplanet study. And now it's one of the most exciting things with the James Webb coming online. Yeah, you yeah. now have an, a whole group of people who would have had to wait a long time are now going to have access to new science research, pushing the uh, the envelope of what we understand. You know, it kind of, it kind of absorbed a bunch of, uh, of young minds. And uh, that's, that's great. You know, it's good that that happened. Otherwise they, they would have stagnated and waited until their time uh, yeah, kind of yeah. showed up. But it's it, it's a silver lining in that way, I guess. <laughs> yeah, true. But I'm looking forward to the discoveries, to the first pictures. NASA will make them make them publicly available for everyone to look and uh, love it and see. So stay tuned. It's gonna take a while. We're probably first pictures gonna be somewhere in early. 2022, 2022. Yeah. Uh, the real work will start around six months from now. Yep. Well, unless, depending on the time when you're listening. <laughs> yeah. But f for f from our perspective, it, it will kind of take six months or yep. so. And I, I guess we can say pretty much with a surety, every time something cool comes out, we're going to talk about it. Yes, so yes. Keep, watch this space. Uh, more will come out of it for sure. Yeah. And with that, I again, as usual, need to mention and want to mention the amazing people at That's Not Canon. And this time we're doing not a co-op, but we would like to mention our really good friends at the Curiosity of the Child podcast. Because right now they have a new episode out about Varen Delarue, a scientist and a pioneer in photography who designed the first devices or apparatuses for this type of research 
Nice. Yes. Oh, very cool. Getting into the stuff that led to the, to the James Webb kind yeah. of telescope yeah. stuff. Nice. So I think once we're done here, we're going to go and listen to Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And we recommend to you to do the same. I queued it up already. Nice. All right. With that, I think we're yeah, done. We're done here. Yeah. Th- thanks again for your time, attention, and energy. As usual, reach out to us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for Now That's Interesting Podcast or Tweet NTI at Twitter. I said Twitter twice. Ah, I like yeah, the platform. You know, who doesn't love Twitter? <laughs> yeah, <and laughs> definitely better than Facebook. <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, but not that, that if you're only on Facebook, you can still join us and, and uh, bombard us with your questions. Exactly. Yeah, don't forget to send us questions. We're always interested in, in what you guys are thinking. We're going to have to start a whole section of uh, question and answer, you know, at some point. Um, but yeah, uh, if, if what we've talked about has piqued your interest and you want to know more, let us know. And you know, we always put out our links about what we've uh, researched. Uh, And we'll do the same for this one as well. Check out the description. And with that... Thank you. See you next time. Have a good one. Next year. Take care. Yeah. (laughs) Bye. That's Not Kind of Productions podcast.